keep it loose, keep it clean, keep it clean, fellas. Uh, like I said, we're playing with house money now. Let's talk about um, anything. Uh, the first thing that's on my mind is last night I remembered, uh, and I, I mentioned this briefly, but I remembered last night that there was a movie from the 90s where Bruce Willis protects an autistic kid from the NSA called Mercury Rising. And <laughs> yeah. Matt, you tell Alec me... Baldwin. Yeah, yeah. Alec Baldwin is the bad guy, and it's a movie about an autistic boy called Mercury Rising, which I thought was funny, yep. but not as funny as what you told me the source material it's based on was called. I remember as a kid, because I was a fucking dorky-ass, uh, I guess, theater queer would be the best <laughs> word for it. I had a subscription to Entertainment Weekly, and I remember reading an article about the bidding war for this book. It's one of those books that came out in the 90s, and... Like, before it was published, there was a bidding war for its movie rights. And it was about, a like, a 60-year-old black cop who has to protect this autistic kid who cracked an NSA code that was, like, put into uh, like a, or a something. newspaper or something. Yeah, a Sudoku <laughs> thing. And, like, nobody was supposed to be able to crack it, but this, this autistic kid was able to. And the book was called Simple Simon. <laughs> the kid's name was Simon. They totally and ended. somewhere along the line, people realized, ah, uh, no, that might get people upset. But there's like two things going on. Like they got more politically correct by changing the name, but then they got less politically correct by Whitewash. whitewashing the main character. They totally whitewashed him. He was a black guy in the book. I mean, the guy, I mean, it was a hack work. The book is a piece of shit. From what I understand, it's like a guy ripping off James Patterson, basically, in his uh, Alex Cross books. But still, fucked up. But like that would that would have been cool though if they put Danny Glover in it and he was Danny Glover from Lethal Weapon and he's just hanging out this Spectrum kid and he's like, yeah, yeah, Yoshi is a girl. I ain't got time for this shit. I ain't got time to go down to the train tracks and record you riding in an Otis elevator. I'm too old for this shit. He's the craziest partner I've ever had. He's he won't let me ride in a Tyson Krupp. That's sort of like what happened in the original Lethal Weapon, because like you know, Danny Glover gets partnered with Mel Gibson, the crazy cop, and then like he yeah. proceeds to like try to kill himself twice in about a twelve-hour period, and then they have dinner and beers together, and like everything's okay, and he's like, oh, this this violently it unstable gives him something man to live for, with. yeah. yeah. Well, maybe yeah. like Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon was also autistic. Like yeah, he was, was. Also Spectrum. Yeah, and he. Well, he was a gut. He was he was like a Spectrum assassin. He yeah. gives this little speech about how he was like an eighteen-year-old kid in the Vietnam War, and how he shot some guy in Laos from like a thousand yards. And he says, "There's only three men in the world that could have made that shot." So yeah, he was basically like an autist assassin. Yeah, well, I mean, that's like how his wife died before the first movie. They were they were going to record trains. <laughs> she fell onto the track. <laughs> Uh, back to Mercury Rising I guess my just idea about that is uh, this is a movie that came out too early it should have happened now so that like Twitter oh, can yeah. experience the, the a joy of Bruce Willis uh, and, and an autistic child and, and not that sixth sense autistic child yeah no it would have been amazing it, it would have given an entire generation a hero that they could look up to even though he was yeah, like absolutely. 11 yeah <laughs> Ho, 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 I've got a model train set. <laughs> I guarantee you it would be Ted Cruz's favorite film. Yeah, Ted Cruz, I, I just really relate to the character. I don't know why. He's quoting lines from it at every uh, campaign stop. <laughs> oh, and, uh, another thing that happened, uh, I guess we could file this under uh, Chapo Press Clips, but uh, Matt, you, you were featured in a, in a local newspaper you were interviewed as an expert well, on uh, Harambe. It's a magazine. Uh, uh, like all of these shitty towns that are outside of the metropole of New York, they all have their own glossy. It's like the New Yorker, New York but for magazine, Cincinnati. Basically. Well, more like New York Mag. Uh, and oh, okay. every city has one, and it's usually just called like the city's name. Like I, there was one in Milwaukee. There's one in, and they're just usually called like Milwaukee Magazine or Cincinnati Magazine. And the one in Cincinnati is yeah, it's called the Cincinnati Magazine. And uh, they hired Susan Shepard, who's an excellent uh, journalist, to write an article about sort of Harambe's afterlife as a meme. 
after he got ventilated here at the Cincinnati Zoo. And she she called me up, and I think her reasoning was basically that like I am the only like tweeter of note in the entire city of Cincinnati. <laughs> that it's is really true. true. It's like it's me and then no one else. I am the only one. And, and like everybody else, every other account from Cincinnati is like either black Twitter or just like psychotic uh, Trump Twitter. Like those are the two places. So I sort of stand alone as the as I guess the Cincinnati correspondent for weird Twitter. And so, so what was your what was your take on on well, the immortal? I, I had a little bit of actual. Uh, I had a little bit of actual eyewitness testimony because I actually saw Harambe like maybe Holy a year shit. before he died. Yeah, I, I went to the zoo last year, sometime in, I think it was like early 2015, for an event for the University of Cincinnati, and we went to the gorilla enclosure, and we saw a number of gorillas, and Harambe was one of them. And what I told Susan was like, when I saw him, I didn't know he'd be a star. He just looked like <laughs> a gorilla, you know? I've seen him before, I'll see him again. He didn't have any kind of like star quality, you know? Like the way that some actors in their early roles you can look at them and be like oh that guy's gonna be huge i didn't get that with harambe well he was uh, kind of she just asked me she just asked me like what do you think about it like what's your theory on it that was basically it and i gave her a couple of my pet ideas about harambe one of which is that uh harambe was the way for people to make jokes about mass casualty death events without actually talking about joking about dead people because <laughs> if you'll notice it there were not a lot of harambe jokes in the immediate aftermath of his death like for the two or three weeks right after harambe died it was really like a three weeks or four weeks later that people started doing harambe jokes which just so happened to be when the pulse shooting happened in orlando and Nobody wanted to joke about 50 people getting machine gunned at a, at a nightclub. But, hey, here's this ape who got shot. We can direct our perverse desire to joke about mass death onto this ape. Now, Matt, what do you make, what do you make of the competing theory? That uh, what, the that jokes about Harambe... Yeah, yeah, that it's a way to deflect... Uh, it's a way to laugh at uh, black people, basically. That's that's the way I well, do it. I mean, I'm, I'm like... Uh, what I... What I what, <laughs> What I like about that woke formulation is that it still relies on the trope that uh, black people are like apes. Yeah, no, it's amazing. It's it's a, it's true of all ultra wokeness. Like all ultra wokeness basically bends toward Dixiecrat ideology of the nineteen fifties. <laughs> like the way that they're all basically segregationists who and 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 anti miscegenationists who think that there should be no interracial relationships. They but the also way I've seen it, it, the, totally the way I've seen identify it, it with like, the idea that black people are apes. Well, the way I've seen it explained is that the name Harambe is like a non-Anglo name, and it sounds funny, and that's why people are laughing at it. And I well, of course, there's gonna, like to say there's a racial, there's a racist connotation to it in an American context is almost redundant. Everything has a racist connotation <laughs> in the United States. We stew in racism. Every where air we breathe is racism. Like we live in a racist society. So, like obviously, you're not really. You don't deserve fucking kudos for pointing out the obvious, which is 90% of woke Twitter, by the way, which is just making the most anodyne points about racism in framing of issues and stuff. No shit. It's a fucking white supremacist <laughs> society. Of course it has that. But I but think like, it's I guess like it's the fact that it's a three syllable word yep. that, that scans well. Like the real burst of Harambe thing, if you go back and look at it, the Harambe tweets that started it were all where you put Harambe in song lyrics. And that's because it's a perfect mix. It's perfectly fits in there. You're right. Like, it's, there's it's so three many syllables. song lyrics where you can throw Harambe's in there. It's a funny comedy name. And it and, and I honestly, if if uh, some sort of ape-like uh, murder situation had happened in a similar humorous way, but the ape's name was like Archibald, it would still be well, pretty I mean, funny. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't laugh we at that. That's a white name. I would laugh at it. <laughs> We don't even have to do that. Did Cecil the Lion become anywhere near the sensation Harambe did? No, he did not. Because it, Cecil is boring. That's it. You can't put Cecil in 500 songs, you know? <laughs> it's just, it's simple as that. And that, so it's, it's people wanting to joke about murder. It's just the perfect linguistic fun of the syllables that make up the name Harambe. 
And then, as I said at the end of the article with her, I think everybody, especially, and this is later, this is after the, like, the jokes had kind of turned into the thing where everybody was harassing the, uh, the zoo Twitter account until they had to close by just talking about Harambe and how they killed him with every tweet. <laughs> the sense that there's an identification with Harambe. Like, you look at this poor ape who was, did not ask to be born, found himself in an enclosure, a world he didn't understand, acting out of instinct, not malice, and then being killed for it. I think all of us can relate to that in some way or another. Absolutely. Wow. Anyway, I was laughing at it because it is a foreign name. I wasn't even aware that it was in a zoo until uh, yesterday. Well, I just, you know, I was excited. Uh, I was like, oh, we're all laughing at uh, names from other countries and we get to be racist. So that's what I was doing. Uh, But wow, I have learned a lot. Learned a lot right now. I'm also I'm you know when I when I found out when I saw that you were in uh in the in the local press Cincinnati magazine, of course in my head it translated to the, the Cincinnati newspaper, and I just yeah. had like a a vision of like old school uh, journalism with like you know the hat <laughs> with like a press ticket in it, and they're like it's coming over the wires now from the AP Cincinnati bureau. Uh, headline reads: Cincinnati Oaf talks about Cincinnati ape. <laughs> Do you think? Do you think that Cincinnati? Extra, extra, read all about it. F- famous Cincinnati oaf talks about the famous Cincinnati ape incident. Do you think that Cincinnati magazine has like their version of Jonathan Chait, just like a horny Cincinnati guy <laughs> who's always tweeting at other Cincinnati yes. reporters? And there's also like a Cincinnati. Cincinnati uh, there's a, a Cincinnati Andrew Sullivan who really despairs <laughs> for the discourse. Well, he was really well, into Harambe. Well, well, like totally charting skull shapes. I, yeah, the Cincinnati uh, Andrew Sullivan has he has uh, a Harambe skull, and he's trying to compare it to like historical black skulls to make a point in an epic article <laughs> that he's going to publish. It's not race. It's not racism. It's just science. Uh, yeah, if there's science, it's not racist. That's that exactly, is exactly yeah. Well, this is a good segue. Uh, you brought up Jonathan Shate. I saw he had a great article just yesterday, titled like. Obamacare is great. How come nobody knows it? Or why is it, it was like, what the fuck? How did he set it up? It was like, Obamacare is a political triumph, but like uh, a, pol- no, a policy triumph, but a political failure. Why, why more people don't love this amazing, life-changing reform? And it's like, so fucking tired of this guy. Holy so fucking fuck. sick of him. Yeah, no, the, the, the thing is, is that there's two parts to that. One is just denying his premise for most people, it sucks. They're forced to buy insurance that they will never be able to afford to use. And if like, should they ever big, need to use it, they, it probably won't cover what's wrong with them in the first place. And even if it did, the, the, in order to afford the uh, the premiums, people are taking uh, uh, policies that have deductibles that are more than they could offend, afford to ever spend on healthcare in a year, which means they can never use it. Which means that they're literally just giving money to an insurance company and the insurance company will never have to worry about that person ever seeking a claim or anything. It's just free money for an insurance company with the IRS basically coercing the, the transaction. It's fucking awful. Um, I mean, there are parts to it that are unambiguously good. Like Medicaid expansion is good. And why? Because there's no fucking strings attached. You don't have to go to a goddamn website and like uh, become a fucking hacker to try to figure out how to pick the right <laughs> plan. They just tell you, you're covered now. And that's it. That's all it ever should have been. And uh, that is why, like, he's bemoaning why it's a, 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 a political failure. That's because modern uh, neoliberal, left neoliberal uh, policy is all about making this shit invisible to people so that they don't know what they're getting out of it. And as Rick Perlstein has talked about a lot, that's one of the reasons that Democrats end up fucking themselves over. The reason they held Congress for 40 years after enacting Social Security is because Social Security was right in your fucking face. They could say to you, you didn't used to have money when you were old. Now you do. Thank (laughs) Democrats. And they fucking did. Now it's, you didn't used to be able to log on to a website and negotiate between 15 different providers to pick a platinum or gold or zinc plan and and apply a fucking formula for subsidy that's going to change depending on your income so you might end up having to retroactively owe money or have a higher premium holy shit thank you so much their whole their whole obsession with this like wonkish 
uh, a detail-oriented stuff ends up fucking them in the ass because it ends up becoming just another insufferable bureaucratic hurdle for people to jump as opposed to just a fucking good thing in their life like former like like the old new deal model was like social I mean, security let me, let me sort of, i'm looking up this thing that ezra klein wrote about obamacare and how fun the exchanges are when it came out but uh hold on let me find it felix you go ahead fuck you you fucking nerd yeah, I mean, I have long, you know, I have long waited for something that combines something I need, which is healthcare, with something that is fun, which is when I call Comcast when my cable is fucked <laughs> up. And uh, it's sort of like playing a video game, but a really fun video game. Uh, my favorite video games are called Train table simulations where you get to schedule the trains and it's a lot going on very complex it's like that but it determines uh whether i will go bankrupt if i go to the hospital or not so it's like very high stakes and if you win uh you only pay 20 percent of your income on uh health care but if you lose uh you uh you go bankrupt and you lose the kids so uh i don't really see why people are complaining it's a policy success. the video the video game thing is a good comparison because yes all of these spurging <laughs> wonks are jerking off over yeah train table simulator or like you know civilization six expansion pack or whatever but that's not the games that normal people play like if it was more like angry birds where you just slingshotted a bird into a bunch of pigs and then it said, you have health care, people would fucking love it. I want to say this. Uh, look, here is my advice to you if you are a freelancer like me or like you guys. Uh, just like don't fucking, don't, don't get, it's, you probably, like the health insurance you're going to get on an exchange is probably going to suck shit. So just don't do it. Go to the ER, never pay it, keep all your money in cash, don't pay the tax penalty because they can't force you to, they can't enforce it in a criminal court. Just fuck them, don't do it. That is sincerely my advice to people, just don't do it. Well, don't do it and owe tons like, of yeah, money and that, never pay. That is a hundred... That's the thing. I'm not joking, that's the, really my advice. No, well, you're right in that, and I just found this out and it blew my mind, there's no criminal enforcement. Yeah. On the uh, on the tax penalty, if you don't pay the tax penalty, it's not like if you don't pay your regular taxes and you can be fu- like go to jail or something. And now you got assholes like fucking Matt Iglesias who, in the face of the appearance of the crumbling of Obamacare, saying actually it needs stiffer penalties uh, instead of saying I would, I... it should just be fucking Medicare for all. I mean, that's you have a Republican Congress, even though Trump appears to be collapsing, we're likely, because of gerrymandering and such, to have a Republican Congress going forward. No changes to Obamacare are likely to come. There's not going to be anything because it's going to be gridlock until we all die. Why the fuck would you set your sights on increased uh, penalties for noncompliance instead of saying Medicare for fucking all? A thing that people might actually rally around, a thing that people can get their head around and might get excited about and might show up for the fucking polls to vote on in an off-year election. I would I would pay like I would pay a graduated rate uh, way more money per month if everyone got Medicare. As it stands now, and like it is going to be a compromise, like the compromise increased penalty is that Matt Iglesias dot ats you if you don't pay your penalty. <laughs> and it's like, uh, do better. Uh, oh, really? Uh, you are the reason that this system is not working. You know, as it is, I urge non-participation to everybody. Make all make all of them look like shit. Don't, don't go crazy. Keep all your money in cash. Don't let them have it. Keep your money offshore. I don't care. Put it in Bitcoin. Something. Just don't participate. You really have no reason to. Fuck these people. Fuck. I, I can't find the Ezra Klein thing, but it was it was some piece where he was no, talking about... No, yeah, I remember what you're talking about. How, basically fun it, was, how fun it was to log on to the healthcare exchanges. Because it Talk literally the, is a fucking game to these assholes. <laughs> Talk about the neoliberal subjects. Jesus Christ. Constantly. Ezra, Ezra, always looking for a bargain. Never ceasing. You're a fucking shark. You can never sleep. You always have to be bargaining and comparing and arbitraging until you die. Holy fuck, that sounds like a goddamn... That's a fucking heaven Inconceivable to, like, the Ezra Kleins of the world is that, like... Like, I, I, I just, like, I don't want to spend my time, like, looking at forms and, like, spreadsheets and graphs. No, nobody and fucking, does. Like, except I, for these I don't want to think dork, about that except shit. Except for every dork like, I want, if I get government a, because they all love that shit. Because yeah. they all like, jerk I just, like, off while choking themselves with their fucking lanyards. <laughs> 
like I just want like if I need to go to the hospital, like if I get by a car or like break an arm or have a heart attack or something like that, I want to be able to go to the hospital, stay overnight, and then get a bill for like a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, right? like and, that's it. Like that's yeah, what I want. The, that's what I want from healthcare. I don't want to think about like you know uh, premiums and like insurance and fucking you know, uh, you know like putting putting all every piece of data into a big chart that will spit out like the the fifteen competitive plans that can you know I can buy on the on an open exchange. It's like fuck that. I just want to pay to go to the hospital and not go bankrupt because uh, well, I got sick. All these guys want recognition for how smart they are. They are they are all still in middle school and they're all waiting for a fucking gold star. Like that's what it all boils down to, and that's why. That's why they're so fixated on the idea of meritocracy, because then they get rewarded not because of accident of birth or whatever, which is actually what happened, but because of some innate virtue of themselves. I mean, that's why we. I wanted to talk about this, and I, it didn't occur to me until now, uh, that insane Ezra Klein thing he wrote about how Hillary's debate performances are the greatest in the history of modern <laughs> Holy Yeah, that, that was just last that. week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He Ezra, talks about Ezra, how like he she masterfully destroyed Trump as opposed she was like, to you know, what really happened, which <laughs> is that Trump is a fucking coked out, lazy shithead who has no impulse control and just did what he does every no, other time a microphone is in front of him. Ezra's whole Hillary thesis destroys is guy who's masturbating in front of her <laughs> in the greatest uh, performance of logic ever. His whole thesis in that article is that like it doesn't seem. Like Hillary's putting on a massive performance, but that's the strategy. It doesn't seem like she's doing this, yeah. but in every debate, she just laid back and did the rope a dope, and Trump walked right into her trap. And it's like, dude, this is guy, he's a retard with no emotional control or like yeah. just any impulse control whatsoever. Like, he like, would have done that for anyone. One of his, if you watch a single one of his speeches on the campaign trail, you would have expected what he did during those debates. And the difference is, in front of a bunch of bang, idiotic Republican primary voters, that plays well. <laughs> they loved it. In yeah. close-up with actual swing voters who determine elections, it looks bad. Even now, at this late date, when it feels like we like, should be living in a thing where like, the, the two candidates do family double dare, we still cling <laughs> to outmoded notions of discourse. And so he appeared... Like he wasn't really presidential because he never has been. She didn't have to do shit. That's what he's like. But for these guys like Klein, like I'm talking about meritocracy and their fixation on it. Like the idea that a guy like Trump could have been tied with Hillary going into the first debate uh, and then basically undo himself through his own bad impulse control, laziness and sexual pathology is unacceptable. There has They can't just give it to Hillary by default. As Hillary, as Homer Simpson said, the two sweetest words in the English language. <laughs> she has to have had a hand in it because if she doesn't, then she is not worthy of the office. And if they're going to fucking jerk themselves off to how awesome she is for the next eight years, which they're going to do, they have to feel that she's worth it. And that means she had to have been the architect of her victory, even though she all she had to do was show up and, she, like you, and, and he was going to do that. They can't accept that. They can't accept that world where it came to Trump to self-destruct and not to Hillary to make him self-destruct. That is a world they can't live in. They cannot visualize it. They cannot conceive of it because then their fucking cherished notions of meritocracy collapse into the joke that they actually fucking are. Uh, well, I don't like to talk about Ezra Klein too much or hear about him. very. He just makes me mad. Like Ezra Klein can't fuck his wife unless she wears a corsage that looks like an Excel spreadsheet. It's the only way he can get it up and fuck his wife into installments that come quarterly. I can't fucking stand him. He just sums up everything I hate about that type of person. And uh, let's just say, without me getting myself in trouble, I would like to watch Ezra Starr in this uh, series of short films that has been produced in Iraq and Syria. That's all. That's all. So, yeah. That's it. Oh, Christ. Um, uh, well, moving on again. Uh, okay, let's talk about um, uh, Joe Walsh's musket. Family court Fuck hero, yeah. Joe Walsh. Family court hero, you know, Joe Walsh. You know how I was saying that you should just, like, not pay for Obamacare? Joe Walsh did that, but with having kids. <laughs> They're like, Joe, you have to pay. And he's like, no, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> he's a hero. He's like the opposite of Carl Diggler. 
I don't know. This is a. I mean, this goes back into our theme of like the uh, the the mutually reinforcing uh, circle jerk of the alt right and and the libs that are so terrified of them and and think that you know Trump is not going to concede the election and Joe Walsh is going to grab his musket the day after and there's yeah. going to be but no, it totally going to be violence this, in the it's, streets. It's this. It's this sad mutually reinforcing circle where the libs need these fucking people to be a threat to like enliven their existence and this you know this like dem- democracy in america is a totally exhausted animal it's fucking it's a goddamn dying donkey on the side of the road but they can't <laughs> accept that there has to still be vitality to it they have to still be defending some sort of cherished traditions and so they have to take seriously the idle threats of fucking couchbound chuds like fucking joe walsh and matt forney Fucking yeah. forehead. Like he's gonna take to the fucking streets. He's gonna Wait. waddle his barrel-shaped torso into the fucking woods to become a fucking insurgent. Yeah, this is no, the most none serious. Of them are do that. This is the most serious election of our life. Matt Forney, a man who cannot walk four blocks without requiring oxygen, <laughs> is going to somehow replicate uh, the Mahdi army. In wait a second. Wait a second. I I saw this earlier this week, and I didn't know whether to believe it or not. Someone said that Matt Forney is 24 years old. <laughs> 28. He's 28. Oh, he's, he's 28? That's oh, still insane. Yeah. That's still He looks like horrible. a solid 52 years old. <laughs> it's still horrible. Yeah, he uncut he looks, his He's thyroid. older looking That's than Ken looks like Bone. That. He looks <laughs> older than Ken Bone. By, a, by oh like a God. solid decade. Okay. Now, now we've, Matt, you've popularized the, the Forney leg. This yeah, Forney thing leg, maybe. Which is okay Everybody for do the forty leg. <laughs> and, and by the way, everyone, it's okay for Matt to do this because he's also differently abled. That's true. It's like I walk with a limp, and I have like a natural limp. You watch me walk, and you're like, "Oh, that guy has. He's got a leg injury." Like people always ask me, "Oh, what happened to your leg?" When he walks, it's like, "Is that a human being or something?" <laughs> walking on stilts in a human suit. Why are you wearing that stupid bunny suit? Like it's not yeah. a human gate. No, I think did you say it looks like a like a, a video game glitch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the Unreal Engine fucking up. Yeah, Unreal is the word. <laughs> but okay, the, 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 his his he's, he's, as I have said, his body shape is best described as non-Euclidean. <laughs> <laughs> Internet's like. <laughs> Yo, but like his 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 head shape is is so odd. Oh my too, god! Though. Like it's just it's so lumpen. Like he was actually born and immediately plopped into one of those uh, boxes that you, you use the claw to retrieve it from. In the <laughs> alley. And his parents had to like wean him out of it, and that's why he looks that way. Like we almost like, got it. We almost got our boy out. <laughs> we, we did we did the last debate and like. When we did our, our talk, our retrospective talk, and we talked about what we'd seen, Trump not agreeing to concede if he loses, we did, we barely fucking mentioned that. But the next day, every fucking pants-wetting lib in the press was just extra-wetting their pants about the horror, about the violation of norms that Trump had committed by not like, saying that he would, he would, <laughs> he would accept the, the election. Because, like, from a because comedy perspective, people, that was uh, more boring than when they were talking about, like, balancing the budget or whatever. Yeah. But for these people, it's basically, it's the most it's the most horrifying thing they've ever seen in their life. Because what if it stirs up guys like Matt Forney and Joe Walsh to take the street? I'm not worried about that. No one's worried about that. They're the fuck, his, his supporters are old white people with joint and hip problems. <laughs> They're not doing shit. They're going to fuck. Like somebody pointed out today that even the young bloods of the Trump supporters, the alt-right assholes, like they all have these avatars. Some of them are anime characters. Some of them are members of the Nazi party. Some of them are their actual pictures. And they all have photoshopped Make America Great Again hats on. Not a single one of these motherfuckers could be bothered to fucking shell out 20 bucks for the actual hat. They all had to fucking photoshop it because this entire campaign is this virtual reality jerk by these idiots who think that being online and and fucking sending pepes and oven memes is an actual campaign. They wouldn't be able to fucking take to the streets. They don't know what the streets look like. Dude, they would they're be like unnerved by, uh, they're like by fifteen years old. Feet. 
Yeah. They like would, most they of them would, are like autistic their, teenagers. Yeah, they're so used to the shag carpeting in their parents' house that if they got on concrete, they would get confused and disoriented. <laughs> so that goes for them. And then all of the older supporters are all fucking guys who, you know, they've got 15 goddamn hypertension medications that they have to fulfill every 15 hours. They're not, they're not taken to the streets. None of these. Nobody's taken to the streets. America, we're all nobody on either side. Nobody on the left or right. Nobody's taken to the fucking streets. We're paralyzed. We are over just consumed with media. We live in a mediated spectacle. That's all we know. That's all we care about. We don't know what it would even mean to take to the streets. None of us. Well, so speaking fucking of fucking uh, settle down. <laughs> well, speaking of oven memes, uh, following up on a story we just did the other day, uh, fucking David French was on NPR talking to Terry Gross about his uh, family getting put in meme <laughs> I heard, ovens. I heard that I, today. That was, you listen oh to my that? God. I, that was so funny. I didn't know it was coming. I just turned on the radio and I was like. What and you were like, oh, Spike, Spike Jones is being oh, interviewed. Spike Jones is talking. <laughs> yeah, he must have a new movie. Yeah, a new movie like, coming Oh, shit. Out. No, it's David French. I'm Ira Glass, and this is This Modern Cuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining Spike Jones. It's like you turn on the radio, and you're like, oh, Sp- oh Spike Jones is really getting into it. And he's like, in my latest movie, I, I think it's like we're, it's all virtual, but like it's just like in an oven. And what if there were like Nazis, but like they were just telling me that like other men were fucking my wife? <laughs> It's called yeah. It's called her part two. <laughs> By the way, I should point out that uh, someone uh, someone DM me today to say that they had listened to the Daily Showa, which is the uh, oh the, the podcast we ripped off. That's crazy. The, the podcast we ripped off. They the, call the it flagship alt right podcast. It's been around for ten years, and that I heard about two weeks ago because it's the most <laughs> irrelevant thing on earth. But anyway, he was telling me that they, in their most recent episode, were making fun of David French for being anxious about his wife's emails when he was in Iraq. Uh, when did we do that exactly? We did that three like months three ago? months ago. Easily. So we did who the fuck is ripping ago. off who? What a <laughs> bunch of cocks. Pepe. No, we're, we're, we're yeah, ripping... We cuck. cut your ass, Pepe. Fuck off. We're, we're, dick. we're ripping them off in that we've uh, we've borrowed the the people talking format for a podcast. To be fair, to be fair, um, what a bunch of fucking pussies! Yeah, to unbelievable. Be fair, to be fair, for them, like talking to other people is a novel concept. <laughs> like no one has done this before. This is amazing. I have never heard. Yeah, of they, they, those before. guys had to like they guys those guys had to jam turkey basters full of code red into their femoral arteries. To get the energy up to talk to each other on the fucking phone. <laughs> yeah, we had one guy um, in the in in the Chapo account was like, "My name is Thomas Stryker of the Daily Show. <laughs> <laughs> Since you're ripping us off, would you uh, would you be willing to host me for a debate?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's exactly what people want to hear us debating skull science with some autistic teenager for fucking forty five <laughs> minutes." I'm, Fuck off. I'm Thomas Stryker. That's, that's like, that's like, that is like a name that Arnold would have in like a late 80s movie that would uh, betray his Austrian heritage. Uh, I'm, real, I'm a cool Nazi. My mom doesn't make me do anything. <laughs> I can stay out as late as I want. I mean, I don't. I don't leave the house, but I could. No, they're just like it's like we found out the alt right people are kind of like the woke Twitter. Like they're just all agoraphobic, retarded people because they also had the alt right Twitter also had a thing this week where they're like, "Listen up, ladies, we respect women." <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I so saw fucking that. cool. I saw that. Like they're like yeah. there, there were guys being like, "Well, there are certainly some of us with our heads on straight who support you and stand behind you." Oh my, my Aryan God. queen. What a bunch of fucking neurotic pussies. <laughs> all of them. Jesus. And it's like, yes. Shut the fuck up and play Steam game. <laughs> I will gladly interview the mentally ill on this show, but it's got to be Molly Klein first, yeah. then you. Woo! Yeah, Molly she's Klein, the front of the fucking line, people. <laughs> yeah, you get, get in line, behind in her. line buddy. Crapo Bieberkopf. <laughs> Can we talk about this for a second? Because I got virtually nothing productive done yesterday <laughs> because I fell into a K-hole of talking to her. Just I simply it's really just, fun. just asking her to come on the show, and it just like it's like a, a Russian doll. It just like it never ends. It just gets weirder and weirder. Like you <laughs> See, just that's, keep that's going. That's, that's a- I have never I have never added her, and I never will, just because I am afraid of just like my brain just breaking. I, I I feel like I would be like the psychiatrist who talks to Rorschach in The Watchmen. 
<laughs> Yo, Matt, Matt. Oh my God, Matt, you're 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 joking, but like honestly, I I sort I sort of felt that way. Like I was like I was, I, talk, I after about fifteen back and forths, I was just like, wait a second. Should we be paying our guests? They are helping our commo- commodify our product. And uh, no, uh, seriously. I can't believe you got gaslit by damn Molly Klein. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Not yeah, letting I'm you talk to her anymore. I can't do it. I can't <laughs> risk it. I, I'm too, okay, I'm too but, uh, susceptible. I can't but Molly, only a gamer could talk to her. <laughs> but, but Molly actually transcribes our shows now. That is nice of her. Yes, she does. It's amazing. She is a more assiduous listener than any other person amongst our fans. No one listens closer. Nobody it's takes the show more seriously than she Nobody does. Nobody takes yeah, it more seriously yeah. than her. And that's if you, did, and if you didn't see it. because she can only take things seriously. She oh, yeah. literally doesn't understand comedy. It's mind-blowing. What to, what is it meant to imply when Benny Hill has a pie land in his lap and chases a sexy woman? <laughs> no, for uh, for those of you who missed it, I, I asked her to come on the show because obviously she's our biggest fan. And it got into this weird thing where she was like uh, asking us to give her $5,000 or give $5,000 to her friend, Charlie Brown X, uh, a revolutionary who's in trouble right now. That was my favorite storyline of Peanuts <laughs> is when Charlie Brown joined the Nation of Islam. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I, haggled her da- I haggled her down to 3000 Good work. Good work. <laughs> but it was her whole thing of like, she said like, I'll do the show. Why would I do the show for free? And I was like, well, we've never paid anyone else to do it. And she was like, well, I'll only work for free if you work for free. And I'll do it for free if you offset by like giving me like, you know, an hour. She thinks we make like $5,000 a day or something like that. I do. I I didn't mean to tell you guys that. I do. (laughs) Well, that's because uh, as people have pointed out, she has no conception of money because she's a rich heiress who's never worked a day in her life. And she was like, why don't you get this? She was like, it's very simple. And I kept saying to her, no, Molly, I do get it. I'm just not giving you any money. <laughs> and uh, and then like she did this thing where she uh, like capped like a bunch of our interactions. It was just one reply from me and then six of hers. And my reply was like, seriously, though, we'd love to have you on the show. And then she quoted all of that saying... I'm really amazed at how histrionic they are. Like, they can't take any criticism. They really go to pieces. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it was, that was it, it literally the... It was one of... You're one of, you only did one tweet, and it was to ask her cordially to come on the show. <laughs> She's like, wow, triggered much? I want to, uh, I want to like, do a science experiment where I have Molly Klein watch, like, silent movies where pianos fall on guys' heads and they, uh, like, uh, cartoons where wolves get horny for dancing girls and have her <laughs> interpret it because she doesn't know what jokes are. I did see she had a, a, a great tweet the other day where she was like, uh, the, quote, feminist classic Jane Eyre is, you know, crypto clerking for bouge imperial race murder <laughs> yeah that's right yeah that's take that Jane Charlotte Eyre. Bronte fuck you Charlotte Bronte even though but even that is like that's too coherent I understand the point being made there she has to speak in her own like crypto language she rules I love her I mean that's her. what that's exactly why I want her to come on the show or one of her minions or something because I feel like there's probably a coherent like left critique of Chapo, not necessarily one that I would agree with, but at least one that I could hear. But I feel like in their preferred medium, no, I just like I just don't understand what the fuck they're talking about. So well, I'm, I'm hoping, so is that, I'm like, hoping Twitter in conversation, worst, like Twitter it would come out. Twitter is the worst possible mechanism for for the kind of of deep reading that she's trying to do, and yet that's her only fucking outlet. So of course she's been driven mad and it turned and created this weird personal language because that's Twitter defeats understanding. Twitter at every level defeats dialogue. And to to see like to think two things: a that you are a vital member of the vanguard of the Marxist Leninist revolution in the world, and two that you're gonna that your component of it is entirely to tweet. Those two things would drive anyone insane because they are absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> beliefs, but the one thing I am absolutely certain is going to happen, and that I will feel like my life has been fulfilled when it does, is when she has a anti-Chapo left forum panel next year, like she did. For Hell yes! Fuck yeah! Oh my god! Fuck yeah! I will no, Matt, fucking we, we were, lose it. We were talking about this yesterday, 
and and you made a joke about it that was very funny, but like there is a better than fifty percent chance that that will happen. Yeah, like and we it are will the, be we are the new Zizek in 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 the sort of uh, attic. Oh, we have of totally displaced Hell Zizek yeah. in her mind as the as the psyop Pied Piper leading good leftists away from into true fascism. Facts. That's us. That's us. I agree with her. I think we should stop. I think this should be our last episode. And uh, I feel like the future is fought out between um, heiresses who are inventing a new dialect that's sort of like lower English mixed with Saxon, mixed with other things, and anxious. Mixed with Burroughs cut-up technique. (laughs) Yeah. And then... Anxious gamers. Those are like, <laughs> it is the battlefield of the future. Absolutely. I wonder, like, do you ever wonder about that? Like, it's like a fantasy matchup where, you know, you've done that where it's like, oh, what would happen if the Taliban fought some samurais? Well, I'm like, what if Molly Klein fought, like, the like autistic alt-right gamers? That would be, who would get tired first? Oh, who, God. I'd have to it give it to our like girl Molly. Bots. It would be like when two bots get into an argument and go forever. <laughs> I'm going to say Molly wins. She just, like, never slows down. She rules. She no, just, yeah, Molly would definitely win, I think. Yeah. I'd, I'd have to bet on her. She's been doing it for longer. She, and, like, you know, the it's it, she, she, she has more metal than uh, the, the alt-right. Yeah, uh, hell yeah. Nazis. They would have I, no idea what the fuck is going on. I was thinking on. about this the other day. Like, it, we should make fun of them more. But, like, A, they're nobodies. But, like, B, I was thinking, like, the term... When the term anime Nazi like accurately describes everything you are and believe yeah. in it's sort of like it, it's it's superfluous at that point oh, like that's bit. exactly what <laughs> like i <laughs> like that's who, that's who they are they're they're anime nazis people they're they're, they're yeah, nazis the that love anime like they just they, they yeah. love japanese cartoons and national socialism and yeah. oh, i'm sorry human biodiversity what a fucking Ooh, yeah, gem that is i love hbd yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. Like when that was first invented, you know, these fucking dipshits thought that they got some like silver bullet. Oh, now I can be racist and everyone will agree with me because I use the, well, the thing, like, as, word as, for it. As much as they uh, like cherish their alienation from society, they also transparently crave the uh, recognition of the broader culture. Like they just want to pat on the head to be like, yes, human biodiversity is a real scientific discipline. It's definitely on par with chemistry. They want to prove yeah, well, that, so that's bad. What, that's sorry. what renders their entire, their entire approach so tragically sad is that they, yeah, they have created this identity as outsiders, but like everything they do is this parasitic response to a broader culture, they would have nothing if they didn't have that to react to. They have they have no posititive fucking agenda or ability or or knowledge or Wait a anything. Second, though. All they Hold have on a second, is the though. ability to shit all over things and then hopefully get a response from a hyperventilating Tumblr tween. Hold on a second, though. I'm just gonna like I'm gonna put this out there. I'm issuing a challenge. If you want to prove us wrong and debate human biodiversity with us. Here's what you do. Find all of the articles that support your thesis. All of them. Like literally anything. Print them out. Print them out and then transcribe them by hand onto a new, like, leaves of paper. Just handwritten, handwrite, and contain all the notes from all the printed articles. Transfer them over again. Copy them in triplicate. Put them into little pa- make them all into little paper airplanes and shove them in your fucking pee hole. <laughs> Cram them all in your fucking urethra, and and then piss it into your their toilet, and then hopefully it will reach us here in uh, New York City. Your little your little missives. Uh, I want to hear them out personally. <laughs> I think I'm actually going to. Join Wait a second. Them. This one, I, uh, this one is like a, a little obscure. We don't need to actually keep it for the show. But did you guys see the thing this week? It, it just happened. This guy, uh, Stephen Den Best, who just died. Yeah, speaking of Tony anime did a whole, Nazis, he, he might have he been was the, the proto anime Nazi. He was really? the proto anime Nazi. But the thing is, he wasn't like alt right. He was much more of like the the neocon war blogger thing. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, it's Tony now did a wonderful obituary for him. But he was a guy like again. He's one of these figures that like. Totally, totally obscure now, but like if you were sort of unlucky enough to have been online at the sort of early aughts and the kind of genesis of the political blogosphere, it's sort of like hard to overstate how much this guy was like pimped 
and just like by guys like Instapundit and all like the sort of early right wing bloggers as like this guy's a genius. This he's a genius. This is he is good. The, people like him are going to overturn the mainstream media. And this dude was like literally a a man going his own way. He was he was a proto man going his own way and proto anime. Uh, hentai blogger, but like he yeah, did he was long like the John screeds. the Baptist for basically every pathology <laughs> yeah. in reactionary like Twitter that exists. Long now. screeds supporting the Iraq War and like all this pseudo fake military analysis and history that focuses on like where he has like the name of like every uh, piece of military hardware down that like to, as a substitute for his lack of knowledge of anything else. But he was like really, really. Uh, heavily promoted by like the National Review and a lot of these fucking assholes, and then like he just sort of like stopped political blogging around 2004 and dedicated his entire time to running a site that did almost nothing else but just review anime and post pictures of prepubescent cartoon girls that he would like be like, I really like the panty drawing on this one. Yeah, that is yeah, the, that is it's amazing. That's the logical conser- uh, conclusion to conservatism. <laughs> it is just like uh, uh, imagined febophilia. <laughs> like but okay, febophilia. so in, in Jim Garrity of the National Review wrote his obituary uh, the other day, and he was like, his voice was sorely missed when he turned in two thousand four <laughs> when he turned his attention to to cartoons. And it was just like, wow, that that sentence is doing a lot of work covering up. <laughs> he devoted his attention to cartoons, and then like one way to put it, <laughs> and then literally that his original like political blog is no more. But like the one he was doing up until last week is still up there, and it's just literally him being like r- reviewing anime shows, and it's like prose. Lots of cute girls. <laughs> Double pros. Lots of bathing scenes. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then, uh, so, like, one of the things he got really famous for, there was, like, this was his, his, his call to arms. Again, shared heavily by Instapundit. <laughs> was, something, was something called, like, w- the death of Anglo women or something like that. And it was yeah, this Yeah, yeah, Anglo li- women are an endangered species. Yes, Anglo yeah. women are an endangered species. And it right was this on. long, heartfelt screed <laughs> about how he's been single for, like, the last nine years. The last relationship <laughs> he's been in was eight years ago. He hasn't dated a single person. He doesn't feel like a man. He doesn't feel like a human being. And then he goes to a Vegas strip club, and he was like, for the first time in a de- in, de- in like a decade, I felt like a man again. These women treated me like men. Oh. They were kind. They were polite. They even gave me a hug and kiss on the cheek after I spent four hundred dollars. Dude, oh, those two things God. have nothing to do with each other. Holy, and fuck. it was like this is the perfect like the the guy who thinks the stripper is really into him. It's like the saddest shit ever, but I, of course I feel no sympathy. I feel nothing. No, I feel him. nothing yeah, for him ever. I mean, shit on his and honestly, it's him. better for everyone that he's dead. Him most of all. If the world is like nothing bad comes out of him being dead. So, uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, rest in peace, buddy. Good, good luck in the afterlife. Okay, dude. We can cut from this or from later in the show, but I really want to talk about this because this early era of right blogging, because then when this guy died, it reminded me of this other dude who was like a, a twin star to Stephen DeBest. He he is still still alive, I believe. Kim Dutois? Na- Kim Dutois. And he yes. wrote another one of these, like, uh, you know... The pussification the, of the American yes. man! The pussification of the American man. This was, like, you know, one of these things that was, like, shared over and over again. This was the, the early, like I said, the early aught war blogger call to arms. This is a guy who stopped blogging because his readership couldn't raise enough money to pay for his gout treatment and lap band <laughs> surgery for his entire family. <laughs> think oh think about God. that. Think, think about that. Fuck me, dude. Holy shit. And like, yo, know, uh, what's his? I think Tony or like Jim Jorps or someone dug up a picture of him, and he's like, he's reclining on something, and he's one of those guys. Like, his stomach is so large that like it, it's like coming out of his giant shirt. And he has like <laughs> he has that like under boob of stomach that's yeah. coming out when he's lying on his side, 
And like he wrote these incredibly angry, like he was like, we have to exterminate the Muslim cockroaches for the name of Western civilization. And then like, you know, Insta Dork would be like, huh, hmm, interesting. Read the whole thing. And I just love the idea that like the stoic defender of Western civilization is a guy who wheezes after getting out of bed and he's like, oh, I didn't die from sleep apnea. Another great day. Imagine if uh, imagine if Charles Martel had staph infection between his tits and stomach. <laughs> I don't even know if he's still alive. I hope he's not. He's probably fucking I hope dead. He's dead. He's, I hope I he's dead. Too, actually. This is the first I'm hearing of him. I hope that guy he, he is he got, he Seriously. Got Seriously, <laughs> seriously, look up the essay. I'm calling it an essay, which is hilarious. More of a diatribe. Look right? up the pussification, the missive, the pussification of the Western male. Yeah, which is weird because, like, the actually the more obese you get, the more your like cock goes back into your body because you know if anyone's being yeah. pussified, yeah. And there's something sort of feminine about having like double D tits. <laughs> a little I mean, bit. In, in traditional, you know, gender norms or whatever, that's kind of feminine. To have you're, giant you're, jugs. you're you're an idiot, Matt. In ancient Sparta, it was considered very masculine uh, to have <laughs> malactation and to you know, be there, 500 like, pounds. I just like, you know, I, I wish the people that, that follow us on Twitter could have been around. Like, there was this whole constellation oh, God. of absolute yeah, they, weirdos amazing. that are now was, lost so to time. In that yeah. shit. Like, okay, you remember? Do you remember Bill Whittle? Shuds. Do you remember yeah. Bill Whittle? He was another guy that Instapundit promoted heavily. Who had the idea of creating something called ejectia, that was sort of going to be like Second Life for conservatives that would become real life, <laughs> and it would become like it was sort of like pseudo seasteading, that kind of like Peter Thiel thing, where he was like, "We'll create like an Acadia of the mind, and then it will be in reality." And then, like after a couple months, he's like. Oh God! Fuck! I wish I could. Ha- I wish I had in front of him. It was like, uh, sadly, due to financial concerns, my uh, dreams of creating a new society will have to be put on hold for now. I still sincerely believe in it. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, he used he used the example of ancient Sparta." They and, love and, and, Sparta. And like, they dude, love Sparta. But this is all before GoFundMe or any of that shit. It was literally just how ha- it was like just shared in hyperlink on like basically all on Instapundit. And he had this thing where he was like, in his, you know, you know, uh, in his the classic novel Gates of Fire, you know, was, was that guy Pressfield who wrote that? He was like, does this sound attractive to you? Living in a city state of men of virtue? It sounds awesome <laughs> to me. What did, what, why not? Why not now? Yeah. A bunch of uh, men of virtue and slaves. I mean, it's like it's it's there's so many levels of horseshit to that fetish because You've got the first level of the fact that if these guys had been born in ancient Sparta, they would have, as soon as they, they would come have been out left, died from exposure <laughs> instantly because they were absolute, ab- total rejects. They would never have fit into their model of physical perfection. I mean, for a second. So, like, the very premise is hilarious. And then just like the absolute noxiousness of them fetishizing a slave oligarchy. Yeah, Sparta uh, was the absolute worst of the classical world. Yeah. Uh, imagine, imagine a society built on the same principles as a bathhouse. <laughs> I need eight million dollars to build this dream. No, but in that he they, they use the the they 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 use the example of the Battle of Thermopylae as an example in which Western civilization turned back savagery. And he was like, if it had not been for them, all of like reading, writing, science, reason would have been lost. And it's like, dude, the Persian Empire of that era was yeah. like. They, just, had they, had, ri- they had writing. They, they, had, they, had, every, they had all that shit. They like, had all of it and like far less child fucking. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it would be like you pay a tax. Thing. It would have been fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, like maybe, maybe the Persians would have been like, can you guys fuck less kids? <laughs> Which is kind of cultural Marxism, if you think about it. It's cultural when, relativism, actually. Yeah. When they, uh, but you know, again, like these proto-war bloggers and their fetish for uh, ancient Sparta, this is also what's funny about the alt-right's obsession with the Third Reich. Because, they, I mean, they would certainly be sterilized in any sort of normal oh, national... Or, or, or sent to be cannon fodder in the Eastern Front. Yeah, oh no, they would have, yeah, they would have been either... They would have given him a pander strike and sent him to get run over by a fucking T-38, <laughs> or they would have just euthanized them. 
like those for being non-verbal options. by the age of 11. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, this will not do. He cannot participate with the strength through joy. We're going to have to take him to a special school. Uh, it's a spe- you might, you'll never <laughs> yeah. be able to talk to him again, but trust me, he is, it will be a very special school. And also, the anime thing. I mean, degenerate art, if ever there was. Oh, oh God. Yes. I mean, yes, the, area, the, the Japanese were honorary Aryans, but I can't believe that they would have countenanced that shit. The tentacles and all that, they would have been like, no, 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 no. No, but like the, J- Japan at the height of their uh, military empire would never have stood for anime. Definitely not. No, no, yeah. neither of them. Yeah, all what? of that shit would have been just just exterminated because what what because like their whole thing was that they did not want art that would like undermine their ability to create an organic, vigorous social unit, and social body. What, yeah, right, a social body. What is more uh, deleterious to social cohesion and active participation in society <laughs> than, than spurging more on basement and jerking <laughs> off to anime babes for 40 hours in a row. <laughs> oh my god, if we if we put this out so many people are going to be like debate me coward. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I our, memes, our memes. Our memes. <laughs> uh no, did you see that one guy that said told Sam Chris he was like, I have one point seven million dollars in the bank yeah, and you would and you would, couldn't survive in a forest. And then yeah. I think Sam Sam replied, I also have a million dollars and we'll meet you in the forest. <laughs> oh wait, he no, also Sam, told him that it was all said, Jew yeah, fiat money. Yeah, that's yeah. all Jew fiat currency, so I actually own you. And then he decided <laughs> to be like Oh, oh, you're you, you're good at the banter. I want to be friends with you. It's like fuck you, buddy. Nobody wants to talk to you on Earth. No one on you Earth wants even, to you, talk to you. You can't even make friends when people can't see your hideous body and face. Like <laughs> you have every advantage, and it just you can't even do it then. All you can do is be friends with like other people with social anxiety and clinical depression. I mean, I guess like to to round out this discussion, someone angrily said of us. You know, these guys are just, they're they are just assholes. They're nothing. As soon as the election is over, they're going to go back to their obscure podcast, just jacking off for each other. And I want to say, I want to say you're not wrong. But after the election, you're going to go back to your even more obscure podcast, jacking off to even more obscure pornography. So, yeah, at least fair is fair. At least I'm jacking off with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's Take uh that. Let's sign off and have a solid bait sesh. Yeah, what okay. do you say? Yeah, let's so, go for it, boys. All right, let's on each other's Camp, yes, Matt, camping. start camming. Let's start camming right now. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, everybody. Peace. Bye-bye. Hello, I'm Jared Taylor with American Renaissance. What's the alt-right? or alternative right. Millions of people heard the term for the first time when Hillary Clinton mentioned it in a campaign ad last week. She said it's full of terrible people, and she tried to connect it to Donald Trump. So the mainstream media are now full of stories explaining the alt-right. Even a Japanese newspaper interviewed me the other day about the Aruto Raito. As a long-standing member of the alt-right, This is how I see it. We are a broad dissident movement that includes many different websites, organizations, and viewpoints. Some members hold distinctive positions on sexual, trade and free markets, forms of government, and foreign policy. But they all agree on one thing. Equality is a dangerous myth. The alt-right is united in rejecting the current dogma that all races are equal. Races are different. They differ in average levels of intelligence. They do not build identical societies. And there is no reason to think non-whites can maintain Western civilization, the civilization that whites created. And most people prefer the culture created by their own race and prefer to be around people like themselves. Blacks, Hispanics, and Asians express this preference all the time, and everyone thinks it's fun. 
It's only white who are thought to be immoral if they openly prefer the culture, society, and people of Europe. Now, if you're shocked by what I've said so far, you're not part of the alt-right. Not yet. But just wait. We're growing all the time. The alt-right is eager to have the honest dialogue on race that former Attorney General Eric Holder and others claim to want. Well, they're not sincere. They want to exclude everyone who disagrees with them. Honest dialogue is meaningless if everyone already agrees. Hillary Clinton and the press have tried to tie the alt-right to Alex Jones and to various people associated with Breitbart.com and to Donald Trump himself. This is dishonest. None of these people has ever taken up the cause of white identity or talked openly about race and IQ. We may be sympathetic to people such as Steve Bannon of Breitbart and Donald Trump because of their views on immigration, but they have never spoken up for explicitly white interests. If you want to learn more about the alt-right, the biological reality of race, or the importance of white racial consciousness, please visit our website, American Renaissance, at www.amran.com or any of the other sites that I've mentioned. It could be your first step into a world where things finally make sense, where there are real solutions to problems liberal orthodoxy can't even understand, much less solve. Join us in the struggle for a better, brighter future for our country and for our people.